KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. The mayor's office has said it plans to move forward with brokering a multi-billion dollar energy franchise deal, but community and public advocates say they want public power instead. Stay with us. KPBS's Shalina Chatlani has all the details of what unfolded this weekend just after the headlines. Wildfires continue to blaze across California. Three major collections of fires have claimed at least five lives and forced tens of thousands of people from their homes. Governor Gavin Newsom was at the LNU Lightning Complex Fire Command Post near Vacaville on Friday. He says California is casting a wide net in search of reinforcements. We now are engaged formally with mutual aid from 10 different states. Uh, We've been on the phone with governors all throughout the United States, not just the western states, uh, trying to reach out as far as the east coast to see if we can get uh, resources here into the state of California. The LNU fire has burned more than 347,000 acres. As of late last night, it was at 21% containment. Elsewhere, the SCU fire complex near Santa Clara and Alameda counties is at 10% containment and has burned 443,000 acres. The CZU complex near Santa Cruz is at 8% containment with nearly 75,000 acres burned. To keep up with the latest on these fires, go to kpbs.org. The United Way sponsored car caravans through San Diego on Friday to raise awareness about the census in low-responding communities. The census count will determine federal funds that flow into communities for everything from schools to low-income housing and nutritional assistance. The U.S. census count happens once a decade and is nearing its final weeks. It will now end its counting efforts on September 30th, a month earlier than previously announced. Michelle Silverthorne is with the Count Me 2020 Coalition and the United Way of San Diego County. She told KPBS that they are racing the clock to spread awareness and avoid an undercount. To complete the census, go to 2020census.gov. SeaWorld San Diego has been given the go-ahead to reopen large parts of its theme park. This is a big step for the venue, which has been closed since March and whose parent company showed a second quarter revenue loss of 96%. Miro Kopik is the founder of Bottom Line Marketing and a lecturer at San Diego State. He says there is some good news from SeaWorld parks that have reopened elsewhere. And what they're learning, especially for the SeaWorld theme parks in, in Texas and in Florida, is that they've been actually increasing attendance week over week and they've been able to keep people safe socially distanced so they have a plan in place he says he expects SeaWorld to try to reopen in time for the labor day holiday weekend i'm annika colbert on a monday this is san diego news matters from kpbs news it's august 24th stay with me for more of the local news you need to start your day Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, 
Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. The mayor's office says it will move forward with opening up a multi-billion dollar energy franchise deal for the city to bid. That's with San Diego Gas and Electric likely as the leading contender. But KPBS science and technology reporter Shalina Chetlani reports community advocates want to block any such agreement and they want a new city-owned utility instead. Friday afternoon, community and climate change advocates gather and chant outside 101 Ash Street, the former SDG&E headquarters. City government bought it for around $300 million, but found it was filled with asbestos and is unusable. Advocates say the building is one example of a massive waste of taxpayer money. And a potential energy franchise agreement with SDG&E is another, says Sonia Robinson of the local NAACP. She says San Diegans pay the highest electricity rates in the state. I'm asking right now for us to say no for the highest rates and say yes to a better future with public power. The city's 50-year agreement with SDG&E for it to service gas and electricity expires in January. The spokeswoman for SDG&E told KPBS that the utility has a strong track record of delivering reliable energy and plans to submit a competitive bid for the energy deal. But community leaders like environmental advocate Cody Pedersen says they plan to block a vote on any energy agreement the mayor presents to city council. All we need to do in this coalition is get ourselves four votes to block that and put us on a path to municipal power. Shalina Chatlani, KPBS News. A pandemic, rolling blackouts, and dozens of wildfires. The emergencies have piled on in California over the past week. Cap Radio's politics reporter Nicole Nixon looks at how Governor Gavin Newsom is leading the state through this perilous moment. Two former advisors to California governors agree that while it's not necessarily sexy, crisis management is one of the most important parts of the job. Stephen Maviglio worked for Governor Gray Davis, whose 2003 recall was partly over sudden power blackouts. The lessons we learned from the energy crisis 20 years ago is that Californians expect when they flip a switch that the lights come on. Maviglio says Newsom did the right thing by taking responsibility for the blackouts. The governor gives his frequent coronavirus updates from the agency's operations center near Sacramento. But Newsom's delivery can make those briefings hard to parse through, says Rob Stutzman, a former advisor to Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Stutzman also says missteps can undermine confidence in government when they're not addressed directly and immediately. He cited a coronavirus data glitch a couple weeks ago that led to the resignation of the state's public health director. Of late, there's been a lot of that uneven type of communication where it's not really clear what he's trying to say, which leads people to conclude is a really clear that he has a firm grasp on all these crises that are occurring. And now, as California braces for what promises to be another tough fire year, Stutzman says the best way for a governor to communicate action is by showing action. 
meaning Newsom should get out of the Sacramento bubble and visit a fire line or evacuation center. In Sacramento, I'm Nicole Nixon. U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services is preparing for major cuts. They're the agency in charge of approving green cards and naturalizing new citizens. It could furlough more than 60 percent of its workforce at the end of the month. The agency says it's because of a decrease in revenue from processing fees during the pandemic. Nadine Tapazada directs Immigration and Refugee Services for Catholic Charities of San Diego. She says this will make it even harder for immigrants to navigate in all already complicated system. I think it's a very challenging time overall, furloughing of 67% of USCIS. Uh, I mean, the hurdles are just very difficult to navigate through, very difficult to navigate through. A bipartisan group of legislators sent a letter to USCIS on Friday claiming that the agency was solvent and there was no need to make serious cuts to its workforce at this time. A Navy SEAL was in court Friday accused of sexual assault. KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh says it's one of a number of incidents that led to their platoon being abruptly recalled from Iraq last July. The SEAL is charged with sexually assaulting a female sailor attached to their unit. This happened after a party July 4, 2019 in Iraq. The SEAL appeared in court at a San Diego naval base for a Friday hearing. Because he has also made charges of sexual assault, news organizations refrain from naming either the SEAL or the female sailor. Troops are not allowed to consume alcohol in Iraq, and it was served at the party. The commander of Naval Special Warfare, Admiral Colin Green, pulled the unit from the field where they had been fighting ISIS. Green ultimately removed the top leadership of the San Diego-based SEAL Team 7 and said the SEALs have a problem. These events came around the same time as the partial acquittal of SEAL Eddie Gallagher, who made national news when the president intervened repeatedly in his case. That was Steve Walsh, KPBS military reporter. While many businesses are struggling during the pandemic, some are thriving. At Adams Avenue Bicycles, owner Chuck Kofer says business has gone through the roof. But, he says, bicycle repairs that used to take a week, at most, are now taking up to five weeks. Kofer says part of the reason for the delay is difficulty in getting parts. Currently, it's been three to five weeks, pretty consistent for for a couple months now. Kofer says sales of new bikes are also way up. He says pre-pandemic, he'd typically have about 100 bikes in his inventory. That's now dropped to less than 10. He says he's expecting a shipment of new bikes sometime next month. Southern California got a taste last week of the explosive wildfires that are possible this time of year. Hot and windy conditions can turn a spark into a firestorm, putting homes and lives at risk. The situation isn't any easier when there's also a global pandemic to contend with. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has more on this story. Got it. Cool. The Apple Fire in Riverside County roared through rugged backcountry earlier this month, blackening more than 33,000 acres in just two weeks. Nearly 8,000 people were evacuated. Two weeks later, a second major fire hit the region in the Angeles National Forest, the Lake Fire. California Governor Gavin Newsom says 
This is a much more active fire season. Uh, the total number of fires last year was substantially lower uh, than the activity we're experiencing this year. Since January, there have been more than 6,700 fires in the state, up from just over 4,000 the year before. With the hottest months of the year just ahead, safety is a key priority. You get a fire, we're tired, and that, that, that uh, fatigue sometimes makes us a little woozy. Or Cal Fire Captain Danny Ramirez is huddled with about a dozen firefighters under a shade tree near the Hamul Fire Station. It's the safety briefing before a midday hike in 100-degree heat. The big lessons today, be safe, stay hydrated, and communicate. When we're going out when it heats up in the middle of the day at 2 o'clock, that those triggers get back in their minds and say, hey, that's what we talked about this morning, the heat, uh, the probability of ignition. And then there's the threat of COVID-19. Everyone on the crew is wearing a face mask in an effort to keep from spreading the infection. Ramirez says firefighters are taking the advice of public health officials because they can't afford to lose anyone. Doing our best with the uh, the distance, uh, wearing our masks, taking our temperatures every morning. But Ramirez concedes that staying safe in the firehouse or during training is much easier than when the crew is battling flames in the midst of a wildfire. Sometimes we get engaged in this firefight, saving a structure or, or life. Um, um, yeah, that COVID kind of takes a backseat to that. The Apple Fire was the first major fire incident where Cal Fire also dealt with the pandemic. Being up there in, in uh, Riverside at the base camp, uh, things were different. It was it was a, a different experience. Cal Fire's Thomas Schutz says there were actually two base camps, so firefighters didn't congregate in just one area. Food service was pre-packed, and crews that came together fought the fire together and stayed together. Fire officials want to keep the virus out of their ranks, and that's tough because some local firefighters have already been infected. We're really lucky down here in San Diego County with Cal Fire and San Diego County Fire. We have a lot of folks to draw from. We have 40 stations, and so um, even these small little uh, blips where we have folks go out, it's not devastating to us. We're able to work through it. What Cal Fire officials want to avoid is creating a super spreader event during a battle against a major wildfire. The agency can't afford to lose lots of firefighters just as the wildfire season heats up. Juan Ramirez from Irvine and his hand crew are hiking through the East County near Hamul. He's carrying plenty of water and a heavy hand tool. We'll use it to strike vegetation and tear. Uh, because our, our goal is to scrape down to bare mineral soil. The idea is to cut through the fuel that might feed a wildfire. The fast-paced hike is designed to physically prepare the crew for line work in dry, hot conditions. But Ramirez knows a wildfire will make it worse. You know, it's a little hotter, it's a little drier, and you got that smoke and that low visibility. The wind and heat are already issues in the backcountry, especially when there's a fire as part of the equation. COVID-19 now exacerbates that situation. That was KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson. Coming up on San Diego News Matters, images of the San Diego County Republican Party chairman Tony Kravarik once appeared in an animated video showing a bobbing Hitler along with Nazi salutes and symbols. I believe he owes everyone in San Diego and beyond an explanation. That story up next after this break.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. An old animated video has surfaced that includes a photo of Hitler bobbing above the head of young Tony Kravarik. Kravarik is the current chairman of the San Diego County Republican Party. In a joint project with independent investigative producer J.W. August, KPBS investigative reporter Amitha Sharma explores the impact of a video. This video, produced decades ago, features an image of Hitler flexing his right arm, brandished with a swastika band, floating up and down above the photos of men, including a young Tony Kovarik sporting dark shades. Well, it's pretty serious. Local lawyer Jim McElroy was a longtime board member of the Southern Poverty Law Center, a civil rights legal advocacy group. There's dancing Hitler, there's a swastika on someone's neck, there's a Sig Heil salute. Um, that's pretty serious stuff. We're talking about genocide. We're talking about the deaths of millions of people. That's not something to joke about. The video containing Hitler imagery is meant to promote Fairlight, a group founded in the late 1980s in Sweden. Fairlight broke into video games, a practice called cracking, which was legal in Sweden at the time. Kavarik, who was stepping down in January as chairman of the local GOP, has acknowledged he was once a leader of the group. He refused numerous requests to comment for this story, but has not denied that he is one of the young men in the video. Rabbi Abraham Cooper, director of the Los Angeles-based Simon Wiesenthal Center's Global Social Action Agenda, has tracked online extremist speech for three decades. He says Kovarik should answer for the video. I believe he owes everyone in San Diego and beyond uh, an explanation. The video runs for two minutes and 32 seconds and includes a difficult to read scroll that says in part, quote, now don't think that we are mega Nazis just because of the Hitler sprite, end quote. Both of Kvarik's sons appear to share their father's interest in politics and have used rhetoric associated with white nationalism. Kvarik's elder son, Victor Kvarik's Instagram page, recently displayed a cartoon of a green frog, a symbol of the white nationalist group called the Groiper Army. They advocate for white America. They advocate the end of all immigration whatsoever. McElroy also says Groypers rant a lot about America's population getting less white and what that might mean. We're losing our cultural identity and heritage, which for some reason they don't believe includes people of color. Victor Kovarik did not respond to requests for comment. And Oliver Kovarik, another Kovarik son, recently wrote an opinion piece for the Union Tribune. Oliver discussed his hope that the Republican Party further embraces values like, quote, reverence for our history and an effort to uphold our national and cultural identity. And when people talk about cultural heritage, especially people on the right, they're talking about white heritage. Oliver Kavarik refused KPBS's request to comment. Longtime Republican Supervisor Diane Jacob expressed alarm over Tony Kavarik's Hitler video, as did Republican congressional candidate Daryl Issa. This video was inappropriate uh, and just plain wrong then and now, 
and that uh, for Mr. Kavarik, he truly has to explain why that doesn't represent who he is today. UC San Diego political scientist that Kauser says he's stunned Kavarik hasn't jumped at the chance to explain himself. I'm also surprised that, that every Republican in the county isn't lined up to condemn it because that is the, the easiest, clearest, both from a moral imperative and also for a political imperative. KPBS reached out to San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner, Republican supervisors Jim Desmond, Kristen Gaspar, Greg Cox, former San Diego City Councilman Carl DeMaio, as well as current and former leaders of the state Republican Party. None would comment. Amita Sharma, KPBS News. Hours before the story began to air over the weekend, Kravarik issued a statement on GOP letterhead that said, in part, we ask San Diego Democrats to join us in rejecting extremists like communists, Marxists, anarchists, Antifa, supremacists, and racists. Last week in a series of stories from KQED, we've been talking about the threat of wildfire to elderly care homes. But the fact is, most older people aren't in care homes. We still know when a wildfire hits, they suffer the most. In the North Bay fires and the Camp Fire, three-quarters of the people who died were over the age of 65. In the conclusion of a KQED investigation called Older and Overlooked, reporters April Peterson and April Domboski explore how to protect elderly people who live independently. We begin with April in a fire-prone Nevada county. From the foothills of the Sierra Nevada, a new hero will emerge. At drive-in theaters this fall, moviegoers in Grass Valley will see a trailer like this one. It shows people packing go bags, cleaning gutters, kids showing their grandparents how to get emergency alerts online. This fire season, you're the hero. The message is clear. Get ready, because if a fire comes, you're on your own. Many residents here have taken it to heart. During fire season, Katrina Hardin falls asleep to her police scanner every night, listening for early signs of wildfire. I use it like a radio. Until recently, Hardin lived with her mom, Rosemarie Reeder, who's 77. Nevada County has one of the highest rates of residents over 65 in the state. It's a lot of retirement up here. Various people have walkers, some are in wheelchairs. The mother and daughter helped create a buddy system, pairing every elderly neighbor with a younger one, someone to check on them in an emergency and help them get out. People freeze up. They have a hard time thinking. They can't make decisions. They're too concerned about not knowing where their meds are. They get locked up. The buddy pairings are mainly informal agreements decided while out walking the dog. Reader believes they will save lives. It's vitally needed, especially in these days with as much climate change as we have had. We really don't know what's coming next, and we need to prepare for it. She wishes the buddy pairings were part of a systemic response for all neighborhoods. My colleague Molly Peterson explains why that's unlikely. During a disaster, no public agency has legal responsibility for checking up on elderly people. Not the county, not the state. Debbie Toth is an advocate for seniors living independently. She says ageism causes more deaths and disasters. I'm saying people's reactions to it 
Like these are just disposable people. They're elderly. They're at the end of their life anyway. Like there's no value there. Disabled people, poor people, old people. These are the vulnerable communities that California emergency officials want to find and warn. They are vulnerable physically, emotionally, and financially. But so are the systems meant to protect them. It's another one of those one step forward, 12 steps back. Jerry Kennedy is 68, going on 31, he likes to say, with an impish grin. And three years ago, fire came for his house in Santa Rosa. I woke up from you know, the noise. and So I go out in the front, and big chunks of debris were falling, you know, flame. Rescuers knocked on his door. He slept through it. Everybody's gone. There was nobody there. There was no fire department. There was no neighbors. They, everybody had been evacuated. His house burned to the ground. No insurance. So I slept in my car. He moved to a shelter. In a cot there one night, he almost stopped breathing. Smoke inhalation pneumonia and congestive heart failure. After all of that, Kennedy can't sleep well now. He is depressed and anxious. He rents a room in someone else's house in Oakmont. And he can't drive anymore, for medical reasons. I feel isolated. I don't feel connected so much as I'd like to. By nature, Kennedy is hopeful. He has a cat rescued from paradise. He says they're survivors. The Kincaid fire forced them to evacuate again last fall. Just when you think you're safe and nothing is going to happen, <laughs> well, here it comes again. And so I had to relive the experience again. For those who might have trouble evacuating, that have mobility issues, it's even more important that their communities be designed to reduce their risk. Max Moritz is a wildfire specialist for the UC Cooperative Extension. He says we know how to build and cluster homes more safely near wildlands, but we don't. We basically need stronger and more deliberate urban planning guidance to address where and how we build our communities, especially in the face of climate change. Moritz says we have to learn to live with wildfire. Californians don't like being told where to do it, even after disaster strikes. As long as that's true, we have to work harder to protect the people who are overlooked. I'm Molly Peterson, KQED News. San Diego News Matters is a daily morning news podcast powered by all of the reporters, editors, and producers in the KPBS newsroom. Tune in to KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or catch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 p.m. on KPBS Television to keep up with the news throughout your day. You can also find us on Twitter at KPBS News or to find our podcast producer, Kinsey Moreland, she's at Kinsey. And as always, you can find more KPBS podcasts like only here or Cinema Junkie on our website at kpbs.org slash podcast or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.